You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Later in the program, we have the latest edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a bi-weekly segment where we pose questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, phony job offer on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More following today's feature. But first, your environmental news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, February 2nd. I'm Nathaniel Weinsapfel. The nearby city of Crane, Indiana had a special moment last week when Navy veteran Robert Angel Wayne released Christmas, a bald eagle, back into the wild. The bird was injured in November due to a puncturing of her wing, likely caused by a stick or due to an encounter with another bald eagle. The mating season of bald eagles occurs from December through February. So Lane hopes that by releasing Christmas near where she was found, she will be able to find a mate. Bald eagles represent a conservation success story for Indiana, as they were extirpated or extinct in the state from 1890 until the first mating pair successfully created a nest near Lake Monroe in 1991. After being released, Christmas hobbled around on the ground before, once again, gaining the confidence to take off into the sky. A new study is out that may impact how Hoosiers use their kitchen appliances. A Stanford University study has determined that natural gas cooking stoves have a high potential to leak the dangerous greenhouse gas methane, even when the power is off. The researchers measured methane concentrations from numerous gas cooking stoves throughout California and were shocked to find that around 80% of all emissions occur when the stove is not being used. This is bad news due to the potency of methane and its ability to trap 86 times more warmth in the atmosphere when compared to carbon dioxide, with 20% of the Earth's warming being attributed to this gas. Methane is also a byproduct of cattle farming as cows produce the gas through their digestive system. Based on this stove leaking research, climate activists are urging Americans to switch to electric stoves whenever they need a new stove. The Washington Post recently published a report that offers some good news when it comes to the tackling of climate crisis. If solar panels were to be installed on top of large big box stores such as Kroger, Walmart, and Target, then the stores can meet half of their electrical needs through solar energy and create enough power equivalent to 8 million American homes. Normally, the empty rooftops serve no purpose, but with new advancements in solar panel technology, over two-thirds of the rooftops could generate solar energy. 
Similarly, the report also notes the untouched potential of solar panels in parking lots. These solar rooftops for parking will provide shade for cars and also generate electricity. This development is already catching on in states such as New Jersey and California with its potential to succeed in states throughout the U.S. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weintapel. At the Monroe County Commissioner's meeting on January 26th, County Attorney Margie Rice explained a contract with ENB Paving for construction related to the southern section of the Karst Farm Greenway. So this is uh, a continuation of a trail project. You'll remember that the Monroe County got about $2.3 million a few years ago to develop a trail that will connect Ellettsville to Karst Farm Greenway. We completed um, the northern portion of that. This is a contract for the southern portion, uh, which will go from Loesch Road, Kelly, correct me to, if I get this wrong, from Loesch to Woodyard. We have to do a railroad crossing. It's gonna be a little bit more comp- shorter, but more complicated. We did ask for bids and ENB had the lowest bid. So you've already awarded um, it to them. And then this is the contract that they have reviewed and it follows the same form of the last contract we used. And um, we'd like you to approve it today so that we can get started on this in the spring. This is not a rush for you to approve it today. So if you have questions, let us know. We expect to give them a notice to proceed. The contract says we'll give them a written notice to proceed. We expect to do that no later than April 1st. It may be that the weather is such that we can issue them a notice to proceed earlier. However, we wanna make sure that we don't issue that too early because the contract requires them to complete the project within 120 days. Commission member Lee Jones says she was glad to see the trail network get better and better. The commissioners voted to approve the contract unanimously. The commissioners also approved changes to a grant to the Monroe County Humane Association. The funds were initially intended to be used for an additional vehicle. However, due to the supply chain challenges, they have decided to use the emergency funds for security upgrades at the E. Susan Bartlett Emergency Center. Rice added that she thinks the program is a valuable resource for county residents that more people should be aware of. Yeah, I agree. I, in, when I was doing this work, and, and I actually knew Susan Bartlett, um, I ironically had bought a car from her. She was a, a neighbor of my in-laws. Uh, she's a great woman. When she died, she left money to the Humane Association to get this center. Built. And having known Susan and, and having worked with, you know, our uh, animal control issues at the county, I was learning as I was as I was writing this grant agreement. So I agree with you, Lee, this could be uh, better promoted and known throughout our community because it's a wonderful service. And people often, you know, they worry more about their pet than they do about themselves um, when they've got one of these situations. So, yeah, let, we'll, we'll work on trying to get that word out. The next commissioner's meeting will be held on February 2nd. At the Ellisville Town Council meeting on January 24th, council members discussed bids for the community crossing grant for various roads resurfacing and a culvert replacement. Milestone and ENB Paving both submitted bids on the projects. Street Commissioner Kip Heedy thanks the people who submitted their bids. I'd just like to take the time real quick to thank the two companies that placed quotes and bids at this time. 
I think a couple of the guys are on here as well tonight. So I just want to reach out and tell them all thank you for doing that. The Ellettsville Town Council will vote on which company's bids to accept at the next meeting. On January 25th, at the Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners meeting, the board introduced the new community event specialist, Haley Pryson. The board also appointed new officers for the year with Catherine Mills as president of the board, Ellen Rodkey as vice president, Israel Herrera as liaison to the planning commission, and Kim Clapp as secretary. Operations and Development Division Director Tim Street asked the board to approve a contract with Marshall Security LLC for 2022 security services at various parks and trails. So we are recommending approval of a contract with Marshall Security and Investigations uh, to provide security patrols at Switchyard Park and throughout other core downtown parks uh, in 2022. Uh, the amount is not to exceed $278,821. Um, this is going to be funded from a new account this year. Um, it was still jointly budgeted by both Switchyard Park uh, and by the operations division. Um, however, the account, because of the way some funds have been swept together with ARPA funds and things like that, um, they are coming out of a joint account this year. Um, so in mid-2021, Park Board, you approved a contract uh, with Marshall to begin security. Patrols. We had good success with that last year. Um, security overall has been well received, uh, and we did notice um, decreasing incident reports throughout the season. Um, there are, of course, a lot of factors that could go into that, in, including just decreasing use seasonally. Um, however, you know we we've felt that their presence, especially after hours, um, has been effective and appreciated. Um, We've had comments from, from the public. Uh, we've checked in with the police department um, and overall believe they have provided good service. Mills commented that she supports the fundings for security at the parks, but said that ideally the police budget could cover this in the future. Thank you for that, Tim. Um, and I'm certainly glad to hear that it's been well received and the incident reports are down. Um, I still just looking at the cost to parks. I still, it's a little disappointing that parks has to pay for this. I understand the police are stretched very thin. Um, and you know, it wasn't really a solution to do, to do nothing. So, uh, I'm glad that parks is able to afford this and that it's working and creating a safer environment. Board member Jim Whitlatch asked why the funding for security came from a different source last year. Street explained that it was funded by the CARES Act in 2021 and will be funded by the American Rescue Plan Act in 2022, and that the source of funding will be up for debate for the 2023 budget. Whitlash also asked for clarification about which parks have been selected for patrolling. Street explained how they decided which parks were chosen and that they have the flexibility to make changes to the route during the year. Sure. When we originally, um, you know, identified the locations they were going to be working on um, last year, um, we chose a handful of, of parks that were close to the downtown area. And that was because of a number of incidents that had occurred um, and, and wanting to have a security presence in response to those incidents, um, as well as a security presence to be present uh, with some of our staff at times, especially our custodial staff when they went into certain locations and, and were doing work. Um, we certainly have the ability throughout the year to adjust as needed. Uh, and, and we have in the past year asked Marshall occasionally to um, 
if we know of something going on or something specific is happening, we've asked them, for example, to go to Twin Lakes Rec Center at one point um, because we had wind that something might be going on. And so they they posted up over there for us. So we have the ability to ask them, you know, to be present in different locations. But in terms of their standard patrols, um, they, they basically kind of make a loop that includes up to, to Miller Showers and Crestmont, um, People's Park, Waldron Hill Buskirk Park, um, Butler Park, RCA Park, Seminary, Switchyard, Building Trades. Um, is, is, and then, of course, the beeline uh, between all of those locations from end to end is the, the core of where they're patrolling. Street said the security officers are unarmed and interact with the Bloomington Police Department when they are patrolling. The contract with Marshall Security LLC passed unanimously. The next Board of Park Commissioners meeting will be held on February 22nd. Now it's time for the latest edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a bi-weekly segment where WFHB Assistant News Director Noel Herhusky-Schneider poses questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. Today, John Hamilton discusses the name change of Eagleson Avenue. We turn to Herhusky-Schneider for more. Welcome back to Minutes with the Mayor, where we ask your questions and questions we have about what's going on around town. Lovely day in Bloomington history when we named a new street uh, for the future, and it's a 23-block-long Eagleson Avenue, formerly named Jordan. And we got to celebrate with members of the Eagleson family, their descendants, and some cousins and uncles and nephews and nieces and aunts and sisters and and all. And it was a really lovely way to remember how important naming is, uh, but also that we evolve. And uh, it was the 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 Eagleson family is a spectacular Bloomington family uh, from the 19th century on, and. incredible accomplishments uh, in all kinds of fields and endeavors and 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 both academic and practical or Tuskegee airmen and and professors PhDs in physics or math or psychology and teaching in various colleges and so it's as well as Bloomington deep roots here with our religious community and ministers as well as uh, nonprofits and social organizations. So it was really a nice day to rename that street and dedicate it and know that for generations the the word Eagleson will be voiced by Bloomingtonians uh, over and over for many generations. the Jordan Avenue that runs north from 17th Street. It's not continuous. It's not uh, uh, at the same location as the Jordan Avenue, the Eagleson Avenue that runs up to 17th Street. And that new name has not been selected, I don't believe, by IU. It runs through the IU campus, and it'll be up to them. Um, 
but it was, you know, it was a beautiful story about the Eaglesons and uh, actually the the um, the oldest member of the family that came to Bloomington had been born into slavery and came out and all of his children went to Indiana University back in the 19th century. And that's a pretty exceptional thing. And they've gone on as a family to do wonderful things here in town and around the state and around the country. IU did change uh, back actually last year that one of the first things they did was uh, as the IU Board of Trustees renamed uh, the river and, and, and hall and other things uh, which they have already done and the street naming takes a little longer there's quite formal legal process to go through that uh, but the Eagleson Street became effective February 1 today and um, we're very excited and I actually had some it's kind of powerful uh, driving along and seeing that name up there as a replacement and a and a forward-looking name, but also honoring the great history of this family and what it meant to our community and changing it from what it was previously. A little drive along Eagleson Avenue uh, over the next month or the next year or the next decades, it'll be it'll be there for the seeing. If you have any questions send us an email at wfhb.org or give us a call. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Up next, phony job offer on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. Host and producer Richard Fish says he received an email saying he was a candidate for a job, which he had never applied for. But there were several flare-lit tip-offs that this was a scam. We turn to Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. You probably know by now that there are really only a few kinds of con games, and the con artists are constantly looking for new ways to disguise them. Well, here's one they tried on me, and I must admit the disguise job was pretty good. A nice new coat of paint, bits of shiny chrome here and there to catch the eye, and a lustrous coat of polish rubbed to a gleaming finish. But inside it was the same old rattle-trap chassis and transmission, and the same old hamster running around its little wheel. I got an email that purported to come from the United Legwear and Apparel Company, Incorporated, saying that I had been shortlisted to be interviewed for a job as customer service manager. It appeared to come from a lady who was human resources manager for the company, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the name was correct, and contained a verification code. 
It said that the interview was already scheduled for the very next day at 8 a.m. Pacific time and would take about two and a half hours. A two and a half hour initial interview seems to indicate that I'm a very serious candidate and it had a link to click instructing me to set up a personal account on their online secure channel. Oh, and for my convenience, they had kindly attached a PDF file with a description of the job. Everything was spelled correctly, and the writing and grammar, while not exemplary, were correct. I did a quick search on the Internet and found the company is real and legitimate. It's based in New York City. But there were a number of things wrong with this email starting with the fact that I'd never heard of the company and had certainly never applied for any job with them. Can you spot some of the others? Like the very short time to respond. The interview was the next day. That's typical of swindlers, the push to act immediately. And the time was given as Pacific time, when their headquarters is in New York. A request to set up a personal account was an open invitation to give them all kinds of personal information. And opening up an attachment on an unexpected email from someone you don't know is kind of like running into a dense minefield on a pogo stick. It could install all kinds of nasty malware on my computer, up to and including ransomware, which would lock up all my files. So what did I do about it? The important things were the ones I didn't do. I did not respond to the email. I did not click the link. I did not open the attachment. I did mark it as junk mail and saved it so I could tell you about it. And now that I've done that, I'm going to delete it. This was clearly a very sophisticated phishing attack. If the sender happens to be listening to this, I have one word for you. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Noel Herhusky Schneider. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. 
For WFHB, I'm Noah Husky Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for cool solutions. Climate action from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 